This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. It's your favorite podcast host here, Joe Redman, just letting you know that the TalkSport Fan Network is now proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. This episode is brought to you by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club is fighting for a chance at promotion. These two Hollywood stars lead a team in the midst of history in the making, while dedicated staff and supporters hold on to a dream of returning the team and this working-class town in Wales to glory. FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres September 12th on FX. Stream on Hulu. Back for Arfield. One up early. Scott Arfield. He's been threatening that recently. And all the Burnley players run to the Darwin end. Oh, what a goal. What a goal from Robbie Blake. Burnley's first goal in the Premier League is something very, very special. Wade Elliott had that change of pace and he's got away from Montgomery into the path of McCann and the follow-up plays the net. What a strike from Wade Elliott. A bolt from the Clariton Blue. Oh, goodness me! What a goal from Patterson! If that is to be the one that takes them to Wembley, you cannot argue with that. Pure quality. I mean, if there's any justice in the world, Burnley would surely score from this corner. Swung right in there. Ball in there. Yeah! Michael Kellan! Oh, that's justice! That is justice at the Amex Stadium! Burnley are level and deserve to be! Hello everyone and welcome along to the latest episode of the Turfcast podcast with me, Joe Rebben. Now obviously it's international break, so we don't have any pre-game show, we don't have any full-time show. I am in discussions with a Sunderland fan already um, to have the pre-game show um, sorted for next week. Of course we play on Friday night, it's live on Sky, 
again. Um, so I'll probably release the podcast around Tuesday, Wednesday um, next week at the pregame show um, with the Sunderland fan. Um, but first, obviously, what I'm going to do, I'm going to use this gap in the um, action to sort of like chat about our season so far. And I have got a guest waiting in the wings and I'll introduce them uh, in a couple of minutes. But there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about this fiasco with Blackman tickets because Blackman fans have just been absolutely insufferable, um, on as they always are, um, but even more so at the minute um, on socials. And knowing my look, they'll be watching this and they'll be clipping it up and going, oh, look at him crying again. Um, but it's a fucking disgrace, isn't it? Like, I, I don't understand the logic behind it. I really don't. Like, all these... You know, millions. Well, I don't know how many people watch the game, but on on TV are going to be watching it, thinking, "What a terrible atmosphere! What a terrible derby!" Um, there's just going to be thousands of empty seats there because they want an advantage. Um, and I'll tell you why they've done it. Number one, the reason why they've done it is because they're scared. It's a fact. They're scared of the atmosphere that we will create. They've already said they don't want to roll out the red carpet for Burnley, which says that we will go there, take five and a half thousand or however, however many they normally give us. Philly out seeing them like we always do and win there again for what would be the fourth time in a row, I think. Um, so they're obviously scared of that. And another reason, the atmosphere at the turf in November was brilliant. And I think they want to try and recreate that for them. I don't think they'll be able to because their fans aren't as good as ours. And that's not me just saying that because I'm biased. If you look at their attendances over the last few seasons and the atmosphere at Ewood Park, um, they won't get anywhere close to that. But there's that video at the end, isn't there? of all the Blackburn fans walking off with the Burnley fans going, you're effing shit. And I think they've seen that and they've gone, that's a brilliant atmosphere. We need to recreate that. Um, but it's a disgrace. Um, they're doing it because they're scared. And, they're, and the fact that the Blackburn fans have been going on and saying, oh, well, you know, it's because you only gave us this amount, so we're only giving you this amount. It's just a dead argument, isn't it? Because we gave them 100% of our away end. And there's a good argument that someone put on Twitter. I think the Luton away end holds 1,800. So does that mean Blackburn are only going to offer Luton 1,800 now when they come to, to Ewood Park? Probably not the best example because Luton probably would only take about 1,000 anyway with them being a, a smaller club. Uh, but they're doing well this season, so we'll see. But we're interested to see how many tickets they actually offer them. Um, but fingers crossed, I'm in the ballot. Um, I think I think we've done three, no, two ballots before for the COVID games. I don't know if you remember, we had a couple of home games towards the end of COVID. Um, Liverpool might have been the one, actually, Liverpool at home. Um, I didn't win the ballot for that. I ended up going on. Um, somehow knew somebody, um, but I didn't win the ballot for that. But this time, it's just they're going to like gold or something. Um, if it don't matter if you know anybody really, unless you know somebody at the ticket office, which I don't, um, then um, I think it's very unlikely that I'll get on. But hopefully, the club do something at the turf. Uh, I know they'll probably use the fan zone, but I, w- I would hope that they do something at the turf. Do you remember when we beat Scunthorpe in 1999 and they had that screen on at the turf? Um, I think I hope they do something like that. I hope they do something like that because obviously we've got the big screens in the corners now. Presumably, you could move one of them. I don't know. I don't know the logistics of it. But if not, I'm sure you can rent one off ADR.TV or whatever the people that supply the big screens at the turf and just stick one in the center circle. Four sides to it, pack out the turf. Um, so um, it's, it's going to be a shame that Burnley fans aren't going to be there in their numbers. Uh, good luck to everyone in the ballot. Um, I said I weren't going to go into it too, in too much detail. I went into it into a lot of detail because I am still quite angry about it. I'm not going to lie. And if Blackman fans go, oh, look at him, he's crying again. Yes, I am crying because what you have done um, is a disgrace. Anyway, like I said, what I'm going to do, there's obviously no pre-game show. There's no full-time show. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this time to look back at our season so far. And as I said, I've got a guest. Um, now, you know me. I always like to have somebody and talk to them about what they think of the football club who necessarily isn't a Burnley fan. However, I'll give you three clues as to who this person is. The first clue is he loves Burnley Football Club or this version of Burnley Football Club on Twitter. Um, he's always singing our praises. He hates Blackman as well. He's always criticising Blackman on Twitter. I can see him winston already. He's always criticising Blackman on Twitter. And another another final clue is he's an expert when it comes to the championship. Or if I word it better, I might give it away. He's an expert when it comes to the second tier. It is, of course, Ryan Dilks, and he's from the Second Tier Podcast. How are you doing, mate? You all right? I'd like to say two of those three <laughs> things are true. I don't hate Blackburn. I just don't rate them that good this season. Please, Blackburn fans, stay away from my front door. But otherwise, I'm fine. Thank you, Joe. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. I, I do enjoy I do enjoy it. Even when they went on that winning streak, and I think they won like six games in a row, like you were coming out going, ah, they're not that good. And they were all just having a meltdown underneath it. It, it was something to behold. It was, it was good work. So thank you for that. I have enjoyed that. Um, and the first comment would always be, he just can't give us credit, can he? And I was sat here laughing, thinking, oh, you're, well, you're, it's, you're it's having because... me for crying. 
it's when you watch them, I think even many level-headed Blackburn fans will know that there's a problem with the amount of chances and how much they actually dominate a game. Maybe it's their mm. style of play, but I can't say I've been convinced about it all season. But <laughs> let's be honest, we're not here to talk about Blackburn, are we? We're here to talk about the no. brilliance of Burnley. <laughs> Yes, uh, we, I've spent seven minutes talking about them, so let, let's move on. Yes. Uh, you, I have obviously, like I said, got you on to talk about the brilliance of Burnley, or the brilliance of Burnley so far. I say so far, it's going to be for the entire season, isn't it? We are going to go up, we are probably going to win the league. And I say probably just as likely we're going to win the league as it is going up. Um, but um, I do want to get your thoughts on our season so far. What's been your thoughts on Burnley's season so far? Well, it's been magical really, aren't it? Me and Justin, uh, my co-host on the second tier, we did an episode this week where we looked back on our pre-season predictions and it really kind of brought it home how magical a season this has been. And I say that because I didn't have Burnley to go up automatically uh, this season. I think the reason for that was because I knew this squad was good, but I was still sceptical about Vincent Company coming in. Now, that's because his record in Belgium wasn't great prior with Anderlecht. Um, but it's been a, an amazing season. And I say amazing, that doesn't do it justice at all because it has just been a truly remarkable season. I will go on record as saying, I think this is the best team I've seen at championship level. I will add in the caveat there that the Reading team of 2005-06, I was only 12 when that team was around. So I don't actually remember it that well. But in terms of my many, many years of watching the championship, this is the best team I've seen. Just in terms of how dominant they are in terms of results, but also in terms of how beautiful it is to watch this team play. Mm. Going from Sean Dyche, which was Brexit ball in the politest terms, um, to watching this Football now, which is just beautiful, so nice to watch, and it's just it's just great, and it's also brilliant watching the the players you've got who are all you know offensive minded. They love going on the front foot, love taking mm. risks, and there's, I, I can't put it into words how good a job Vincent Company has done because he's had to change everything. He's had to you know include a, a whole new bunch of players into this team, and it all could have gone horribly wrong. Yeah. But it hasn't. It's been the exact opposite. And I don't think you can praise him enough for how well he's done. Yeah, I, th I do want to expand on that, actually, the company's job, because that was my next question. Just how good... I know you mentioned there every single player we have is... Uh, sorry, uh, how offensive-minded our players are. And I was thinking then in my head, like literally every single player we've got is offensive-minded. You have the Taylor Hare with Bellis and, and, and uh, Bayer and Ekdal who will run out from the ball as centre-backs. Like You just, just just wouldn't have seen that with Tarky and Ben Mee. Maybe Tarky would try it every now and then, but not to the way that um, Bayer and THB can just breeze past you know um, people pressing them. Uh, and, and even the goalkeeper, Mjoric, you know, he's sometimes yeah. he's on the halfway line. He's playing like the sweeper keeper role. And then he's pinging balls over the top and just playing it out from the back. It's not just how good we've been this season um, in terms of the league position, which just shows how well company's done, is it? It's the complete change in style of play. And to be able to do that in such a short space of time and be top of the league, it deserves so much credit, doesn't it, the job that he's done? Oh, 100%. I think there's always going to be a debate around, is this Burnley team the best ever at championship level? Maybe if they get the 106-point record, then, then there may not be as much of an argument about it. But in terms of, is the job that Vincent Company's done this season one of the best ever at championship level? There's no debate in my mind. Cynical fans, maybe the kind in a blue and white shirt variety, may point out how much money was spent in the summer. But you look at the plays they actually brought in, I think the most expensive player was four and a quarter million. Am I right in saying that? In in um, in the summer, it was around that. Of course, we spent quite yeah. a bit more in January, so people do like to bring well, that up as well. But obviously, Lyle Foster has not really hit the ground running yet, and you can't really use him as an example of how much we spent because we were dominant in the first half as well. Exactly. Burnley were basically promoted by January anyway, so I think the January spending is yeah. completely null and void, to be quite honest. So, yes, Burnley spent a fair chunk of money, which would be a lot of money for most other championship clubs. But when you look at the players they brought in, it's not like they brought in a Harry Wilson, like Fulham did the summer mm. before last, which was 12 million or so. Um, so to say Burnley have brought the league, I think is a ridiculous argument in itself. And 
completely discredits the amazing job that Vincent Company has done because it is a remarkable job, as we say, completely changing the style of play to almost the exact opposite of what it was. Introducing a whole new group of players into this squad, getting every single player playing at 100%. It's just phenomenal. And also uh, coming across well in the media, I think, is another thing as well, because it's all well and good, you know, playing all this nice football. But if you're not saying uh, the right things in the media, then I, I, people may take a bit of a cynical view on it. But I, I, every time I listen to a Vincent Company press conference, I'm always very intrigued to hear what he says. And he comes across really well as well. So if you gave him a list of things to do at the start of the season, he's ticked off virtually everything. Yeah, yeah, he's done a very good job. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk recently about him going to City when Pep leaves. There's even been some rumours recently that Tottenham could be looking at him. Um, mm. How long do you think we can keep hold of Vincent? Um, I think it'd be a big mistake if he went this summer, which mm. I think is... There's a possibility of it happening. Um, I don't think he'd leave for anyone other than a top six club. But I think if he did that, it'd be a huge, huge mistake. If Burnley were to head into the Premier League next season and finish mid-table, top half, then I think you may struggle to keep hold of him. Even then, I think maybe it's a bit too early for him to go. But I think Vincent Company needs Burnley as much as Burnley needs him right now, just because it's all fitting together really well. And mm. when a manager takes that big step, which is a huge step to go from you know, top of the championship to a team looking to get Champions League football. That's a ridiculous step for a manager to make and just really shouldn't happen in any circumstance, quite frankly. So, yeah, I think it would be a a bit too soon if he were to go this summer or next summer. Um, So while he's here, I'd say Burnley fans enjoy him while he is here. Um, It's going to be interesting to see when he does go because I think it, is only a matter of time before he does. Hopefully there's a couple of seasons you can still get out of him, but considering what he's done this season, I can only see this guy going to the very top, unfortunately. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he's a manager that will win league titles in the countries where he manages. could even manage Belgium one day and take them to a World Cup. I do think he's that good. Um, But the examples I always use, and one that you'll know quite well, obviously, just judging by the scarf behind you, um, is Lampard doing an okay job at Derby, but then going being fast-tracked into that Chelsea job and it didn't work out. Um, And Gerard as well did a good, probably a better job at Rangers, but then going to a job that was probably too big for him as well. The examples I always use are them two. I think if you just look at them two, you have to make sure you make the the next right move and, and do it at the right time correctly. If you jump into a job too quick, Best best example is them two are currently out of work after failing at the last two jobs. Um, exactly. But I think I, th- I think I think company needs to. But I, th- I think he's more intelligent, or, or not more intelligent than them two. But I think he can look at them two and say, right, yeah, I need to make sure that the, the next the next move is a correct one. Joe, um, Joe I, I think he I think he is more intelligent, really, just yeah, because of what he's done so far. I mean, Rangers. I, th- I think Gerald did a much better job than what Lampard did before he mm. went to Chelsea. Um, but having said that. You know, Rangers are always going to be challenging for the title in Scotland anyway, aren't they? Um, yeah. To overthrow Celtic, fair enough. That is a big achievement. Um, whereas Lampard, I always think he massively underachieved with this Derby team. Um, well, with the Derby team of three or four years ago. And you're quite right. It's very, it, things can go very wrong very quickly for these managers, which is why you should enjoy the highs when you're a manager before taking the big job and, uh, you know, cut your teeth at a lower level, no disrespect, yeah. um, before taking one of the top jobs. What do you think is a logical next step for him then? Not that I want to wish him away. I just always find this intriguing because there's always, there's these sort of clubs that are like not quite top six, but still big clubs like your Villas, like your Everton's, who probably it's a bad example these days with how poor they've been recently. Hmm. Or does he wait for one of these top six jobs to come up and stay at Burnley for three, four years? Or does he use somebody like a Villa or somebody like that as a stepping stone? It's very easy for me to say this because I'm a nerd who sits in his room talking about podcasts and talk about football. But I think a logical thing for me would be if I was a manager and I was in charge of Burnley right now, like Vincent Company is, I'd be saying to myself, if I get Burnley playing European football, in three seasons time then 
I've shown myself to be a manager capable enough of taking that next step to managing, a, you know, a top four side. Um, whereas if Vincent Company took Burnley into the Premier League and they were 12th for the next two or three seasons, and then he took the job, I think, don't you think you should have achieved a bit more before you took that job on? I'm not sure if he would still be offered the job at that, that stage, but you see my point. I'd like to think that he would try and push this Burnley team as lo- as far as he can take them before mm. he starts moving on to the top jobs. Because I think European football for Burnley in the next two or three seasons after this one is a very realistic prospect considering how much they've just walked over the championship as long as they get the recruitment spot on you've got an excellent head coach so why not yeah I think the 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 point I always make is look at the type of players we've attracted with Vincent Company in the championship exactly with Premier League football what type of players are we going to be able to attract if if we continue to get the recruitment right obviously that's key we've got it right so far I think we can carry on getting it right again um speaking of players um who do you think have been our standout players over this um this season so far it's well, a difficult one, isn't it? Because everyone's played so well, really. Yeah. Where do you start? Um, I'm a huge fan of Taylor Harwood Bellis. I think he's such a marvellous player. Um, may irk a few Burnley fans that the first player I pick out isn't actually a Burnley player, but I, I just think he's so, such a good player. And to be fair to him, I remember seeing him for Stoke last season on loan, and I wasn't too impressed with him, really. Mm. But it, being in this Burnley team, he's just... Watching him defend, I mean, he's a brilliant defender as it is. He's a Rolls-Royce defender, which is the first of my big bag of cliches that I'm going to pull out here. But in terms of him on the ball, he's just beautiful to watch. And and considering he is still so young, what is he, 2021? 20, I, I think he's a future England player. And Yeah, I agree. I, I, I've, I've said this before, but the only player I've seen at championship level, we've been doing this since 2019 now, the only player I've seen at championship level who I've been more convinced about playing for England than Taylor Harwood-Bellis is Jude Bellingham. And that was kind of a home run, really, wasn't it? I think, considering England's shortage of good quality centre-backs right now, it wouldn't surprise me to see him playing for England at the next World Cup, quite frankly, because he's got everything it takes to be a brilliant, brilliant centre-half. Um who else? Um, uh, Ian Watson, I think, is a brilliant left back. He could do with working on his, the defensive side of his game a bit yeah. more. But in terms of being a front foot, um, you know, offensive wing back, he's quality. Um, I, I really enjoy watching him. Nathan Teller's the obvious one. Why did Southampton loan him out? What a stupid decision that was. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, it makes no sense to me. Um, but I mean, I honestly could go through every single player in this Burnley team and give them at least an eight out of 10 this season. The one player who we on the podcast, the second tier, haven't possibly praised enough this season is probably Josh Cullen in midfield. Because mm. as far as technically gifted midfielders go, he's just been brilliant. And I think signing him has been a masterstroke. He's clearly done a lot of work in his time that he's been over in Belgium because when he was playing for, I think it was Charlton, when, they, when he was last in England, he was all right. But he, he's turned into a remarkable player and he's been ever present in that Burnley midfield so as I say it could go through the whole Burnley team but those are four players in particular who I'd pick out Yeah I think Nathan Teller's probably my favourite player at the minute just the fact that he's always playing with a smile on his face he's obviously Mm. scoring goals he's so fast he stretches the play I just absolutely love the man and um, Josh Cullen as well I was going to mention him he's like an unsung hero he's he's one of the it's kind of like a modern version of Jack Cork but some people always argue say he's probably better than what Jack Cork was Um, that's a different debate but He's one of them unsung heroes that does all the dirty work in the middle that kind of goes unnoticed. Yeah. And uh, it would just it just made sense signing him. Obviously, worked under uh, company at Anderlecht, knew the system, was one of the main parts in the system, dropping into the uh, centre-back and moving around because the system's quite expansive and, and fluid. It just made sense signing him. And he's come in and he's been, fa- it's been fantastic. Um, but yeah, Teller, Zorori as well. I've, I think he's probably one of the, the best technical players I've seen in a Burnley shirt. 
Uh, I'm just currently looking at my Stephen DeFore shirt, reminding me that he is the best. Uh, but there's a few <laughs> as well, like Robbie Blake as well. Uh, you mentioned Taylor Harewood Bellis. He remind we had Gary Cale on loan in the early 2000s. He reminds me a lot of him. I said at the time Gary Cale mm. would play for England, um, and I agree. I think Taylor Harewood Bellis, uh, sorry Harewood Bellis, I get shouted at for that um, in the comments. Um, will play for England as well, potentially even captain them. And it's I hope we can keep order him next season because if we go up, then that's obviously going to give them. Uh, City, obviously, uh, 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 another excuse to loan us out because he can play and get more experience in a better league uh, on loan again uh, with us next season. So, well, Joe, Joe let, let me ask you this because obviously you've well, got it's six players on loan. I think does Voglu or however you pronounce his name is one of them who hasn't really played. Um, yeah. Which of these players do you think will realistically come back to Turf Moor next season? Um. Permanently, I think um, Teller. I think that with Southampton going down, I think I think it just makes sense. Um, I if think, they stay up, do you think rumors, I don't know. I think I don't. I think he'll want to, but it depends how much player power and how much of a fuss he wants to kick up. If he does, of course, he might want to go back to Southampton. I'm just sort of like thinking mm. out loud. Um, so I, I think Teller will, because uh, I do think they go down. I think we keep order. And there's been a lot of rumours already. There's been rumours of Burnley looking to Sam Martin this week, which I was surprised at. I didn't think we'd yeah. manage to keep order of him because Chelsea quite highly rate him. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea keep uh, or stick a, a buyback clause or something like that in it. Um, Taylor Harewood, Harwood Belly, sorry. Um, I think it'll be very difficult for us to keep order of him permanently. Um, we might be able to get him next season as well uh, through another loan. Bayer, there's look looking like we can get Bayer. It's looking like yeah. we can get Bayer. There's been um Munch and Gladbach representatives at the turf discussing it. Um and I, I think he plays for Germany as well in his career. I think he goes on to play for Germany. He he's very, very good. Um Dervis Oglu, I'm not sure will be too bothered about. Um I think he will be going back. And there's obviously one more as well who I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But, um Oh boy, yeah, I, I kind of forget that he's on loan. To be honest, I just yeah. think that's that's it's one because I always the, the rumors were we were signing him for two million or whatever it was, and then obviously some something must have happened in the negotiations to why we didn't, and they were like, oh, well, we'll just loan him, and then you can have him at the end of the season. So yeah, I think he stays. So Bayer and Teller, I'm very confident in, and Obafemi, I'm very confident in. Um, Martson, not so much, um, but the rumors suggest this week we might be able to. Taylor Harwood Bellis, I don't think we'll get permanently, but maybe next season. And Derby Soglu is obviously out of favour anyway, so I think we'll just we'll send him back with a you know a pat on the back and thank you and good luck sort of thing. Yeah, I'd agree with pretty much all of that. I think I'm not sure about Obafemi. He's done all right since coming in, but if I was Burnley and I was heading into next season in the Premier League, I think we could do better. I think yeah. considering you've just spent what was it, seven, eight million on Lyle Foster. Um, he's not really got going yet. So I, I'd kind of just be steadying him for kind of being possibly a backup next season. And considering Obafemi's on loan and there's no, uh, what, what's the word, uh, compulsory buy clause, whatever the, the, for the lack of a better term, I would be saying Obafemi will just hold fire on now because... Mm. The striker position is the one, say, for example, Burnley went into next season and for some reason, well, the transfer embargo, I know this isn't going to happen, but the transfer embargo stayed. I wouldn't feel comfortable with the current striker options. Um, I'd be looking at that thinking, well, we've got Lyle Foster. Striker is probably the position we need to strengthen the most. Is Michael Obafemi going to be part of those plans don't think so because you've got Foster, you've still got Jay Rodge, you've got Barnes, who I don't know what their contract situations are, but they can be in and around things. Obafemi will just be another spare part, if you ask me. Mm. So I'm not sure I'd be holding on to him. Um, with regards to the other players, I mean, you'd love to have Harwood, Bellis, and Martson. I'm the same as you. I was a bit surprised to see Martson being a possibility this week in the reports. Yeah. But if that is a possibility, then my God, snap your hand off because he, he could be a brilliant player in the future. Yeah. And then Harwood, Bellis. It just depends whether Man City wants him or not. I, I, yeah. I'd imagine, considering he, he fits the style of play perfectly for them, don't he? Um, yeah. He would be part of their plans, but you never know. So it, it's a flip of the coin, that one, I think. Yeah, I, th I think I agree with you. I, I do think strikers, um, one of the 
the more important roles. I've seen a debate on Twitter this week. A lot of people are disagreeing. I, I think it is a striker. Um, simply because I don't think Ashley Barnes is good enough for the Prem anymore. As much as I no. love him, um, I don't think he's good enough anymore. Um, Jay Rodriguez, I, I don't even know how why he's injured, how long he's been injured for. Um, he's clearly got injury issues. Um, so them two could happily for me at the end of the season. You know, you've, they've been fantastic servants, but you're not good enough next year, especially if Jay can't shake off these injury issues. And then I know Lyle Foss has been brought in in January with a view to play in the Premier League, but I've not seen enough from him yet. He still needs time uh, for me, and he's shown flashes of of not brilliance, but you know, doing all right. Um, and though Femi again, he's actually coming coming and done better, but he just don't know on the ball. He just looks a little bit sort of like clunker does Obafemi. Um, not like he's going to be one of these players that would suit the Premier League too much, but he might be one of these sort of players that plays like a bit part role coming off the bench, kind of similar to what he's doing now. So I would like to see us uh, maybe get two strikers um, in the summer uh, with, with two leaving as well. Well, three if you count Dervis Oglu. Um, so yeah, I do agree with that. Striker's going to be a priority for me. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Obafemi, it would been interesting to see if he did sign for Burnley in the summer. Because obviously he was linked with them Monty before Swansea played hardball, yeah. and that led to him throwing his toys out the pram at Swansea. Hence, why he's only managed to move in January. So maybe it would have been different for him, but I wouldn't be too fussed about keeping hold of him if I was a Burnley fan. Yep, fair enough. Um, obviously, I want to. You've mentioned that Premier League, sorry, not Premier League. European football is a distinct possibility in the next two, three years if Burnley can continue this upward projection. Um, what about next season, though? Because obviously the next season, uh, obviously we're going to be in the Premier League. Um, let's just not even beat around the bush. We're going up, uh, going up as champions. Um, but next season, with the first year you're in the Prem, the priority is 99 times out of 100, staying in the Prem and then kicking on from there. Um, how do you think we'll do uh, in the Premier League next season? I mean, right now, I'd say there's a very good chance Burnley have a season similar to what Fulham have done this season. Mm-hmm where they've obviously stayed up comfortably and have actually been in the top half for most of the season. I think if you took this current Burnley side now and stuck it in the Premier League, it would, I think, comfortably stay up because there are some there are some poor teams in the Premier League right now, some which are very poorly run. And, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to say at the moment who's going to stay up because it's all over the shop. So with that being said... I'd imagine there were definitely going to be three worse teams than Burnley next season, without a doubt. So it's all about what happens in the summer, really. Who stays and who goes out of the loans. Um, But considering also the transfer recruitments that Burnley have done this season, then that's going to be very encouraging for next season as well. And I imagine when Vincent Company goes in his little black book and finds you know, a striker who can fill the role that we've been talking about here. <laughs> He's probably got someone in mind already who, who can do that, whether, yeah. whether it's Lal Foster or, or someone else who's just not available yet. So, yeah, I, I really fancy Burnley to stay up quite comfortably, especially if they have a very good summer's recruitment under their belt. Um, and then they just build on from there. So, yeah, i have be looking at top half next season as a possibility, I, but I'm the same as you. I, I'd just be happy staying up, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Like, I look at the current Premier League table. I was just getting it up there while you were chatting. You've got Southampton bottom. I think we're better than them. We've got Bournemouth second bottom. We've beaten 4-2 this season with a second string. Admittedly, they'd probably argue it was their second string as well. Um, I'd say we're better than them. West Ham and Everton, I know they're poor, um, but I always reluctantly hold back saying we're better than big clubs because they're big clubs and you always think that they can improve quite easily because of the pull that they have but they've both mm. been poor for a couple of seasons now um, West Ham always flirting in and out they, they seem to do well in, in Europe West Ham but not so well in the Premier League the last couple of seasons um, Everton they've improved under Dyson are a lot harder to beat um, but Leicester and Forest, I think we're better than them at the minute and Leeds I think we're better than them as well so as we've said even Wolves Wolves have got some good players but they just never seem to they're a lot better under the new manager Um but they never seem to really kick on. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think some 
bringing some additions and, and some and some better players under company who's brought in some brilliant players this season. Most of which, no, nobody had never, I've never, I'd never heard of Anna Sorori. Now I absolutely love the guy. He's just sensational. Same with Manuel Benson. I didn't, I didn't know much about him. Bayer, didn't, never heard of him. Murich, ne- well, I'd heard about Murich because of his time at Forest, um, which we won't talk about too much. Um, but all these players that we brought in, I was like, don't know that much about him. They just turned out to be fantastic. So if, if company can find these players and Pace can back him, then I, I agree. I think I think I'll be reluctant to say European football in, in in three four seasons. Although that would just be absolutely sensational. But I, I do think that we we can kick on. Uh, I know my dad likes to shout out, and I always like to mention the story that my dad says to me a couple of um, a couple of weeks ago. Is that hey, well, you know, Le- Leicester won the Premier League not not so long ago. So you never know. We never know. All right, <laughs> just calm down. But Burnley fans, <laughs> Burnley fans are excited. Burnley fans are excited about what we can do on the company, and I am very excited for this summer. It's going to be a, such a different summer. Like I know last season, yeah, it, it was a similar sort of summer where we brought in a lot of players. But that was all like, oh my God, we're signing players. Whereas this season, now we're going to be expecting to be signing a lot of players. I'm just very interested to see what type of player we're linked with and obviously what type of player comes in and, and does well in the Burnley shirt. It's, um, yeah, exciting times, really is. Yeah, and I don't think Burnley are going to be the kind of club who, well, Nottingham Forest are a prime example, aren't they, of you know mm. spending an absolute tank load of money on a whole on an army of players and um, find themselves struggling to fit them all in one, into one squad. I think what Burnley will do is kind of a summer, similar to what we saw last summer, where they spend, I don't know, 10, I was going to say a small amount, but 10 million or so on five, six, seven, eight new players in the summer yeah. just to improve things not completely tear up the rule books there's absolutely no need to do that just improve on what you've got and make sure you plush everything out with a bit more depth so and the thing is as well the players who we've spoken about here have just done fantastic for Burnley this season they're all young lads so they're all going to be a year better as well yeah exactly so that that's why Burnley don't need to do much this summer it's just about trying to get some of the lone players back which is what I prefer to do and then just add in a few additions here or there just to make things even better. When you think of this Burnley team even better, that's why it's uh, quite scary to think how good they could be in the next season. Yeah, I, I, it's, it, it's interesting you mentioned that as well. Um, because I, it, we could be even better this season. Like We had a slow start. We, we were drawing, and no disrespect to these teams, but we were drawing at home to the likes of Hull and Stoke. And that just wouldn't happen now, I don't think. I just think we'd blow these teams away, as we do most teams who play at home at the minute. Um, but I do want to go back to earlier. You mentioned your pre-season predictions. Um, you said you didn't have Burnley going up automatically. Um, this isn't a dig. I didn't have us going up automatically. I thought we'd be there or thereabouts, but mm. maybe going up through the playoffs or having a late surge, late charge. I thought we'd start slowly. Admittedly, we did, but I thought we'd start even slower. I thought I generally thought we'd be around, you know, mid-table around Christmas time, and then it all clicking eventually because I knew this change was going to be wholesale and a completely new style of play. And then a late push in the second half of the season, maybe being in something like eighth now, think that three or four points off the playoffs, thinking, oh, we can get a push and we can get in there. Uh, similar to what Coventry are doing now, sort of thing, that sort of role. Um so what was your actual prediction is my question. Like, where did you think we were going to finish? Was it around just in the playoffs, outside the playoffs? I think it was, and someone is very free to correct me on this. I think it was either fifth or sixth. I think we had them in the top six. Because if my memory serves me correctly, I think we had Norwich as the only relegated side to finish outside of the top six. And Burnley, we had just to sneak in. But as I say, that was purely because of our scepticism about Vincent Company and a lot of unknown players brought in. Like you mentioned Zorori earlier, for example, who knew how good he was going to be. And you could say that about plenty of other players like Emmanuel Benson's, etc. So it was was all about the fact that we didn't know how these players were going to do. And there was a lot of unknowns for us to be too convinced about Burnley. Having said that, You've got to remember players like Josh Brown here for Josh Brown Hill, for example. When he's in the Premier League, because the standard of the Premier League is so good, you probably don't realize, or me as a neutral anyway, probably don't realize just how good he actually is. So when he's forced to drop down a level to play in the championship for a season and he looks like the cream of the crop, that's when you start to appreciate how good these players actually are. So, you know, we could have 
we can praise the likes of Harwood, Bellis, Martin, Teller, etc. But the, the players like Cork and Brownhill, for example, who have been there in the Premier League with Burnley for years now, they're the ones as well who I think deserve a lot more credit too because they are actually very good players. Maybe, yeah. and I know Burnley fans are very protective about Sean Dyche, so I apologise in advance, maybe in a Sean Dyche system where he's not going to touch the ball as much because he's sailing over his head quite often, maybe that kind of football doesn't suit him enough because he's not getting on the ball as much. So now that he's playing in a Vincent Company system where he's expected to have the ball to his feet, that's the kind of thing where where he starts to flourish a bit more and starts to show how good he actually is. What was the question again? Have I complete completely off topic? No, the, the question was, where did you think we were actually going to finish? And you said fifth or sixth, didn't you? So... Yes, that's what we said. Um, so my point being, to go back to the original point, is that Burnley still have a very good squad, despite selling McNeil and Cornet and Pope and what have you. There was still a very good group of players remaining, which maybe we didn't give Burnley enough credit for. And the unknowns, sure, we didn't know too much about them, but maybe we should have still respected the players who are still remaining, who we did know quite a lot about. Yeah, well, it wasn't as bad as Alex Crook's prediction from TalkSport. He had us getting relegated. So, um, to be fair... <laughs> did he? I, I, yeah, he, <laughs> I, he, he was like, Burnley, they could be one of them teams that goes all the way through, like Sunderland did. They could be looking over the shoulders into League I One next season. I don't remember that. The, the, clip, the, clip, the clip is on Twitter somewhere. I probably, will, I probably will be sharing it when we go up and tagging him in it, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, but, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I had us around finishing in the playoffs with a late late charge, uh, maybe then being the informed team in the playoffs, which people always look to be. Um, but your point about Dash's style of play and Brownhill, it's spot on. I was going to say that. I was going to jump in and sort of like say Brownhill in a Sean Dash system, he didn't play in that number 10 role. He played in like the mm. Jack Court, Josh Cullen role in like a defensive sort of like midfield role. Didn't really get a chance to get on the ball. Kind of like got exposed because that's not kind of his game. His game is being creative and moving forward and playing in that number 10 role. Um, so, yeah, he's been a lot better this season, a lot better. And I'm interested to see him next season in the Premier League in this system, in that role, because I don't think he was playing in, in a system that he enjoyed under Dash. Um, but I think a lot of Burnley fans are protective as such over Dash um, because of how good we were. But I think a lot of us now realise that how not tedious... That, Tedious is probably the right word for neutrals, but it never bothered me like the style of play because I was like, we're winning games and there's no correct way to to, to 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 play football. But the last 18 months did become a bit of a slog. I was waking up thinking, oh, we're at home today. Do I really want to go on? I'd always yeah. go on in the end, but I'd have that battle in my head of like, oh, I've got a kid at home. I could spend some time with him instead. In the end, I'd always ignore my kid and go on the football. <laughs> um, but still, the, the battle was there in my head. But the battle's not there these days. The battle is, oh, we're at home today. Who are we playing? Swansea, who cares? It's going to be a well good game. Um, we've spoken about, well, you, you mentioned you think that Burnley are the best team in Championship history, or there's a debate there at least anyway, but you yeah. think they probably are, uh, with a disclaimer of you're only 12 when Reading um, were, were brilliant. Um, do you think we break that record, that 106 points record? I think we just fall short. With the games we've got left, we have to play them who are, you know, doing well. And, you know, there's only five Burnley fans allowed in the ground. Um, still got to go to Middlesbrough. And we've still got to play Sheffield United. And he'll said Wednesday, then that could have offended a lot of people. Um, mm. Sheffield United at home. So there's, there's some tough games in there. So I do think we just fall short. I would be happy if we hit the 100 point mark, personally. Well, I'm just doing the maths in my head. So there's nine games remaining, 27 points available, which means if you won every game from now to the end of the season, you'll have 110 points, won't you? Which means mm -hmm. you can afford to drop three points from yes, now until I mean. the end of the season. Yeah. When you put it like that, it is very tricky, especially when you've got Borough and Sheffield United coming up as well. Having said that, this is without a doubt the most at risk the 106 point record has ever been in just because I don't think, well, I can't think of the last time a team has gotten to this stage of the season and it's still being a realistic possibility. I think Fulham last yeah. season, we were talking about it and then it started to fade away. Whereas Burnley have just been a machine for most of the season. In recent weeks, there have been the odd game where you thought, well, I mean, the Blackpool game, for example, is a key example where yeah. I don't think Burnley we'll played very well. Day. Yeah, and... That was two points dropped, really, wasn't it, in terms of if you are yeah. eyeing up that 106-point record. So, yeah, I think the second most points ever in a season 
is something like 102 or something like that, which, I mean, would still be a very good tally, wouldn't it? Um, and at the time of recording, I think Burnley have the second most points after 37 games in championship history. So, you know, it's still a realistic possibility if Burnley managed to get nine points from the next three games, then, well, hey, I think Reading fans will be sweating because they're very protective yeah. of that 106-point record. So this is probably where it's either going to start to become a reality or it's going to fall flat in these next three games. So I'd like to see it happen because it'll be fascinating for us to have something new as a part, as opposed to us actually just talking about this Reading team from, you know, many years ago now. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it happen. Um, but whether they get the point record or not, I still think this is the best Burnley team, just also because I think the standard of the championship, contrary to popular belief, is actually better than it has been for many years. And I think it's just getting better and better, really, in terms of how good the standard actually is. Yeah, I think I think that's a lot to do with sort of like how big the gap is between the Premier League and the Championship as well. I think a lot of the teams that come down now are just so much better. Um, there was a lot of... De- obviously, I didn't pay too much attention to the Championship last season for obvious reasons, um, but there was a lot of debate last season about how Fulham and Bournemouth ran away with it. I mean, I'm just checking it out. The, the Fulham are only eight points clear of Huddersfield in third, so they didn't run away with it too much. Um, Bournemouth were six points ahead of them in second. Do you think this trend's going to continue? You're just going to see teams coming down and then running away with it? Or do you think the Championship's going to get a bit more competitive over the next few years? Well, you're right. Bournemouth nearly bottled it last season. Forrest nearly caught up with them. Um, I don't really know. The 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 shore is starting to indicate that it's going in that direction where it's just the teams who come down from the Premier League who dominate it. But this season has started to actually change my mind on that. Because you look at the playoffs now, you've got Luton, Middlesbrough, Millwall, your rivals in a, in the playoffs as we speak. And some parachute payment teams like, you know, your Watfords, Norwich, maybe there's someone else, mm. West Brom, who are all outside of the top six as we speak. So, it's funny because before the pandemic, I thought it was getting the, the gap between the Premier League and Championship was non-existent, and teams who were coming down were really struggling to bounce back. You look at Villa, for example. Villa was stuck in the Championship for, for two or three seasons, not three seasons, I think maybe even four. I think it was three. Um, so they really struggled when they came down, and then I think the pandemic set everything back a bit because yeah. of the financial gap between the teams who have been in the Premier League and have had that financial support. So I th- I'm, I'm not really sure which direction it's going in now. I hope it's not becoming to the point where there's going to be a team every season who runs away with it. Having said that, it's been a long time since we've had a competitive automatic promotion race. So I think it's a watch this space kind of situation. I'm really not sure at the moment. Interesting. Um, we'll start wrapping it up now then. Um, although I do want to get your prediction. Uh, and um, I reluctantly asked this question, but I do want to get your prediction on who you think will win the playoffs. And actually, who you think will finish second. Because that, that's a decent enough battle. I still think Sheffield United will have enough in the tank, personally, to get themselves over the line. Um, but uh, yeah, so who do you think is going to finish second? And reluctantly, who do you think is going to win the playoffs? But I think I know your answer won't be who I don't want it to be. <laughs> I'm still sticking to Middlesbrough going up automatically. I think that because Sheffield United haven't been playing particularly well, I think they've been playing a bit better recently. But considering there's still nine games left, that's still quite a way to go. And I can definitely see Sheffield United dropping a lot more points over the next few weeks and Middlesbrough keeping up the pressure on them. Although I think Middlesbrough will drop a few points here and there possibly against you guys. So fingers crossed crossed, uh, for your sake, not my sake. (laughs) Oh God. Um, So yeah, I'm, um, I I still think Middlesbrough personally, who's going to win the playoffs. Uh, If things pan out the way I think, then I think Sheffield United will be reeling a bit from missing out on automatic promotion. And we've seen over the, over the past few years that if you do miss out on auto automatic promotion late on, then it does have an impact on 
the team mentally when it heads into the playoffs because they've got to basically reset and go again. And that's yeah. not a good position to be in. So I think Sheffield United will lose in the playoffs and Luton at the moment will win the playoffs just because they're the one team who are looking like they may very well be quite comfortable in the playoffs with a few games to spare. So if you have to ask me right now, I think it will be you, Middlesbrough and Luton in the Premier League next season. There is a bit of hope in that because I would love to see Kenilworth Road in the Premier League. Yeah, and I think, Lut- I think Luton are the kind of club who are destined to be in the Premier League at some point anyway, just because they are constantly moving in the right direction. So I'll go with those three, but I'll be happily proven wrong at the end of the season. Yeah, it'd be so interesting to see the likes of Arsenal fans and you know Chelsea fans and, uh, yeah. and United fans going to kind of they have a meltdown when they go to the turf just because it's wooden seats. <laughs> uh, so imagine the meltdown when they're crawling through someone's back garden and, and moving the washing out of the way to get into the to get into the ground. But the meltdown will be seismic. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but Ryan, do you want to let everyone know before we do go where they can find you and, and your podcast and YouTube channel and yourself on Twitter? I'm not sure if this is a bit futile because I'm not sure we're going to be seeing Burnley fans in the championship again for many years to come. But if you do want to listen for the rest of the season, then please do. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, You can find us on Twitter at Second Tier Pod. And if you want to listen to us, then we're on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, just search Second Tier Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll be there. Excellent. I will put some links in the description. I know I say that most weeks and I tend to forget, but I'm going to I'm gonna try and do it this week. I'm going to try and do it this week. I'm going to try and put some links in the description. So if you do want to listen to the second tier, you might you might want a championship side next season when we're in the Prem. You listen to, to Ryan and, and your co-host, was it Justin? You said? Yes, correct. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'll put some links in there. And my final question before I say my goodbyes, who runs your social accounts? Is it you? It is me, yes. Because I remember last season, I was still on the turf after we got relegated. I was still sat there thinking, I can't believe I've gone down. I just can't believe it. Got a notification on my phone. You have been followed by second tier podcast. <laughs> All right, nice one. Cheers for that. Just kick me when I'm down. So what happens now? Do you unfollow me as soon as we go up? I don't I don't know what happens now. I mean, we still follow Brentford, I think. Yeah. They've been promoted for ages now. We um it, it's a, it's just a I think uh, when Fulham got relegated a few seasons ago now, <laughs> we followed the Fulhamish podcast yeah. and they immediately tweeted, not now, lads. <laughs> I, I think I like something insult. similar. I think I put something, I think I screenshot it. I'm like, you could have at least waited an hour. I was still in the ground. I was still there, just like with my dad, like, oh, no, can't believe it. Watching everyone toddle away, all sad. My phone's buzzing, thinking all my Insult to injury. It is. Rubbing salt in the wounds, that's what it is. Um, But Ryan, it's been ages. I've been trying to get you on here for ages, um, but it's been good to finally get you on. I remember pushing it. I remember thinking, I'm going to have to get him on because it's looking like we're going up, so I'm going to have to do it now. Mm. When's a good time? International break. I do appreciate it. I know you've had a busy morning. I know you're busy. You never seem to stop. Like Every time I go on Twitter, there's a new clip there. I'm like, do these boys sleep? I don't know. But thank you because you're a busy man, so thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. and It's been a good chat, mate. I've enjoyed it. Oh, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us on and good luck in the Prem next season. And I'm looking forward to seeing Burnley proving many people wrong because I reckon there'll be a few predictions saying, oh, Burnley won't do much next season. I'm looking forward to saying to those people, yeah, prove them wrong, mate. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think we'll be all right. Like I said, looking at the Premier League table, I think we're better than the current bottom six. I think if Luton come up, they'll probably finish bottom. I think we're better than anyone else who comes up with us, whether it be Middlesbrough or Sheffield United, or I think Middlesbrough might be all right next season as well if they come up with Carrick. But again, that's a different debate. But thank you for coming on, mate. It's been a pleasure. And if you are looking forward to the next pre-game show, like I said, I've been chatting to a Sunderland fan, so that'll probably come out Tuesday or Wednesday, something like that. And then, of course, I will do a full-time show after the Sunderland match and a 60-second review. So normal service is resumed next week. But thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for listening. And I will see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Bueno, nos vamos. Aquí tiene su cuenta. Espere, ¿10 mil dólares? Así es, las cervezas, hamburguesas, salitas, postre, la multa por conducir borracho a casa, licencia suspendida, días de cárcel, días de trabajo perdidos. Ya sabe, todo lo que involucra obtener un DUI. Bueno, y lo que quiera dejar de propina. No pagues el precio de tomar y manejar. Te puede salir caro. Maneja tomado y serás arrestado. Un mensaje de Netza.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates have already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.